pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, on this night, this holy night, truly wash us with your word. Sanctify us and bring us ever closer together in love for you, in Christ Jesus, and love for one another. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight's Monday, Thursday. Monday, Thursday commemorates the Last Supper, also known as Communion. Jesus and his disciples were celebrating Passover. Passover was about God's mercy, in which he passed over the houses in which were covered by the Lamb's blood. And so this night, on the night of a new covenant, we celebrate that God has passed over our sins because we are covered with the blood of the Lamb. Now, why do we call it Monday Thursday, right? It's just an odd term, Monday. It comes from a Latin word, mondatum. And you know what? I never took Latin, so that's my best pronunciation. But it means, I do know what it means, it means commandment. And it comes from John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So tonight, on Monday, Thursday, we're going to understand this new commandment. And because Jesus also reiterated it in chapter 15 of the Gospel of John, we're going to use that as our main text and really delve into what it means to love one another. So, Gospel of John, chapter 15, starting with verse 9. As a father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. There's a lot of themes in these few verses. There's actually four themes that I want to touch upon. The first theme is love. Love is a predominant theme in the Gospel of John and his letters. For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son. God the Father loved the Son. The Son loves his disciples. And we loving the Son thus also love the Father. It is love after love after love. As a matter of fact, there's a story that the uh, disciples of John got so tired of him talking about love all the time, they just wanted him to tone it down a little bit. But love permeates the Bible, and it certainly permeates the Gospel of John. This is the first theme, the overriding theme of love. The second is the direction of love. It begins this way, as the Father has loved me. Love comes from the Father to the Son and from the Son to us. Love always flows from, comes from God first and foremost. And it begins with the Father loving the Son. And it says actually this, in Gospel of John 3.35, 
The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. Thus the Father loved the Son so much that He gave everything to Him. And all things were created through Him and for Him. And all things are sustained by Him. The Father delights in the Son. Isaiah chapter 42, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. This is the love of the the Father to the Son, that He delights in the Son. And we find that echoed in His baptism, at the transfiguration. It says this in Matthew chapter 3, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved, my Son, with whom I am well pleased. The love for the Son is so great, the Father sent Him out to us to redeem the world in a way that could only be redeemed through the Son. So this is the direction, always, from God to us. So a third theme in this is abiding. Abiding in His love. It's a really important word. It's used three times in our text, but if you go back to the beginning of the chapter, of chapter 15, it's used ten times. And because of this, I mean, how many, <laughs> how many of you have used the word abiding outside of church in the last mm, decade? <laughs> None, I bet, right? Have you said, Terry, I'm going to tarry a while? You know, but abiding is an important word in Scripture, but we don't use it much. So it really speaks about a close relationship. And it has this idea of persevering, persevering or steadfast. And so abiding, when we talk about abiding, it's not just a little bit abiding with God. It is abiding ongoingly. You can't just abide occasionally with God. It has to be ongoing to to be in his love. I mean, he talked about this. He talks about that Jesus, he himself, is the vine, that we are the branches. Now, can a branch just abide occasionally? Like once a, sun, once a week on Sunday, just abide with the vine? You can't do that because the branch would wither and die. So when Jesus talks about abiding, it's just not this nice little metaphor. It has full weight. It has impact. We. You and I, in Christ Jesus, are grafted onto the vine. By grace you are saved. And by grace through faith, you are grafted to the vine. And you are to stay and abide with him because he is your lifeblood. Without him, there is no life. And the way you keep keep abiding with him because that's the, that's the sense of it, really, is to keep on abiding, is through His Word. And you keep abiding through His Word by the fourth theme, which is by keeping His commandments. It says this, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Now, can you imagine Jesus saying, You know, Father, I love you. 
and I am going to abide in your love, but keeping your commandments, your words, yeah, I don't know about that. I'm just going to do the best I can. That, I mean, that, that would be ridiculous. You could never imagine Jesus saying something like that. Can you imagine somebody other than Jesus saying, you know, I love God, and I'm going to try to keep abiding maybe once in a while? Actually, we don't have to imagine that, do we? Because that happens all the time, everywhere. People say, yes, I love God. I love Jesus. Well, are you following what he said? I don't know. I haven't opened up a Bible in, well, since catechism. Huh. Okay. But that's what's happened. And here's the surprising thing. The surprising thing is people who don't keep his word, who don't keep his commandments, are surprised when they don't feel close to God. Isn't that surprising? It's surprising that they would be surprised. So is the issue that God has moved away from them? Has stopped loving them? No. To put it simply, if God feels far away, who moved? God didn't move, but we moved. You see, the, 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 the issue is actually very simple. If you disregard his commandments, there is no promise of abiding in his love. Now, this doesn't mean that God stops loving you or that God has cast you away. It simply means you will not be connected to his love. I mean, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, you know, I'm going to love God but not keep his commandments. You, it just doesn't work that way. Listen again to what, it's, what Jesus said. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Hence, the opposite is also true. If you do not keep my commandments, you will not abide in my love. So it's actually really simple. To abide in his love is to keep his commandments, to follow his word. But here's where it gets really wonky. That's a theological term in seminary, wonky. I'm stretching, but okay. The thing is, he's given us something really wonderful to have. He says, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. But we turn that into something that is onerous. We start to think, okay, well, that must mean I better keep his commandments to earn his love. Do you see how easy that gets worked in there? I must keep his commandments to earn his love, as if we could earn his love. And then people take his word and make it into such a law, and they're always unsure if God loves them because it just is a downward spiral. I don't know if I've done enough for God to love me this day. I better try harder, and I better try harder. And you know how that works is that you wear yourself out, or you become resentful. And you think, why should I even try? But Jesus didn't give us this to be another law, something to weigh us down. 
far from it. The purpose of what he said, he tells us, it is joy. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You see, people often think of Christians as killjoys, don't they? Right? We're killjoys because we actually want to follow God's word. But when you do that, there is a joy that comes from the Lord. It is not a joy of the world. It is not a happiness of the world. But it is a joy that supersedes the world. That supersedes what other people have. It is truly the joy of the Lord. And Jesus says, do that. Keep my commandments. You'll abide in my love and you'll have joy. So, keep his commandments, abide in his love. And then he says this, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So, this phrase, that this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is, in essence, a reiteration, a repetition of what he said earlier. In chapter 13, verse 34, he says it's a new commandment. A new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. But the question is, that is that a new commandment? I mean, because you go back to the Old Testament, even in the book of Leviticus, I know people don't think about it, but in the book of Leviticus, it talks about love. In this, it says, Leviticus 19, verse 17, You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he puts his name on it. He says, I am the Lord. So he seals that. So how is this a new commandment? I mean, even in the Gospel of Matthew, in the, in the Gospels, Jesus is said, well, what's the greatest law? And he sums up all of God's commandments, all of the commandments. And he says this, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he just sums everything up, everything that God has given. You shall love the Lord your God, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the summation of it. Unfortunately, we have made it into a slogan. What should we do? Love God, love your neighbor. As if that really encompasses everything that he was talking about. And by the way, we don't even do that. We make it in a slogan like this. Love God, be nice to others. Right? I mean, that's kind of how it gets played out, doesn't it? And quite frankly, for that, it's often like occasionally think about God and then just be nice as you can. I mean, it just gets watered down and down and down. And be nice is the standard by which most Christians live by. Be nice. 
But Jesus said something else. He said, love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. And in that statement, he says, and this is the new part, that he himself is the standard and measure by which all other love is to be measured. Listen to that again. Jesus is the standard and measure by which all love is to be measured. Listen, this is a radical departure from all of the other teachings of all other religions. It's not the golden rule, by the way. Did you notice that? This is not the golden rule. Nor is this just a feeling about love. So the measure that our culture uses today is how do I feel? And that is the measure of love. And if I feel a certain way, well, that's love, right? Love is love is love. We're going to talk about that even more tomorrow on Good Friday. But that's not the measure. That's not the standard. And anything you called love isn't necessarily love because Jesus is the standard and measure by which all love is measured. And he said this, and this is the hard part now. You thought thought that, that was hard. He said, just as I have loved you. Get that? Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. So how did he love us? 1 John chapter 4. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And this is love. It's not a sentimental love. It's certainly not a warm, fuzzy love, is it? Going to the cross. But true love, the highest love, is a sacrificial love. God so loved the world that he sent his son to die for us. Jesus so loved the Father and us that he willingly died for us. He was a propitiation for our sins. Now that's a big word, right? Big fancy word, but it's right there in the Bible. Propitiation. And it's an important one. It means to bear the wrath of another or to bear the wrath of God. So Jesus went to to the cross to bear God's wrath against sin, against our sin. To take the flogging, the scourging, to be whipped, scorned, to be mocked, to be spat upon, to be nailed. This is love. See, this love sets aside all self-interests and it works on behalf of others. You know this type of love. Our prayer list is pretty long. And so we bear with one another their pain and ours. And this is love. It is compassion. It's love that says, I will forsake myself 
for you. I'll put away my ego, my pride, my selfishness, my ambitions, everything. I will set that aside for you. This is love. And Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. This is the great love that you and I are to have with one another. It's a love so different from anything else. And we're supposed to live that way. It's hard for me to comprehend. I mean, I know the words. I studied them. But in the day-to-day living of it, it's pretty hard to do. Even Peter, <laughs> rough and tumble Peter, he, he understood this. Paul understood it too. He said this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Paul wrote to Timothy, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the love we are to love one another with. A love from a pure heart. Isn't that exactly how Jesus loved each and every one of us? From a pure heart. And we're supposed to love one another just like that. Which is impossible, right? It's an impossible task. We can't do it by ourselves. And thus, that's why we have to have the power of the Holy Spirit of God continually working in our hearts with the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit shaping us, sanctifying us, bringing us ever closer to the cross. Because in this, it's love. And this is also supposed to be the focus of a church, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. Loving from a pure heart is the focus of a church. You know, our mission statement is to grow alive, deep, and bold in the love and knowledge of Jesus. And we are to grow in that love. And so all the preaching, all the teaching, everything that we do, is to shape us so that we love one another and thus love the world as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Now, is being doctrinally sound important? You bet it is. Being doctrinally sound is very important, especially in our day and age in which anything goes. Doctrine keeps us going into legalism or to anything goes. But doctrine is not the goal. So all the teaching, all the preaching, all the doctrine that we do cover, and we cover a lot here, is not ultimately the goal. See, you can have a church that is doctrinally sound, but dead in love. You don't forsake one for the other. Many churches nowadays forsake doctrine in the guise of love, and so they use anything else other than Jesus as a standard. 
and other churches just rely on their doctrine but have no love. You know, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, I think, fits really well here. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Let me paraphrase this. If I've memorized the Bible and recite all of the creeds but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I can give biblical history and tell you the root meaning of the Greek word in Hebrew but have not love, I am nothing. If I sacrifice myself for the sake of the church but have not love, I gain nothing. Loving from a pure heart is what we are called to do. We are called to be. And we are called to do that not as servants, but as friends. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my my father, I have made known to you. You know, there are some people in this world who have a very formal relationship with God, almost at an arm's length relationship. They might serve God, but they don't really know Him. He's just somebody out there. The big guy in the sky, as people will say. He's a master who tells them what to do, but there's no closeness. But Jesus said that you are his friend. A friend speaks of closeness, of intimacy, of knowing each other. That a true friend is there no matter the circumstances. That he's with you or she's with you. And what is another name for Jesus? Emmanuel. God with us. Now, it doesn't mean this friendship is necessarily on equal footing, because it's not. Jesus is God, and we're not. But there's an intimacy, a friendship that you have. You not only abide with His in His love, keeping His commandments, you grow in your relationship with with Him. And it does not mean that you are friends because you decided to be friends. No, no, no. He chose you. Just the opposite. He chose you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Just as the direction of love comes from the Father through the Son, now this close, intimate relationship is from the Son to you and from you to others. That's the work to do, to bear witness in love and in truth. And when you do that, the fruit of your labor abides, not because it rests in you, but because it rests in him. And he said all of these things 
These things I command you so that you will love one another. All of this tonight, everything that we do, so that you love one another. And so these things meditate upon. How are you abiding in his love by keeping his commandments? Do you veer into the area of, it's too hard to do so I don't have to do anything? Or, it's too much to do and I'm too tired. Think about what is the standard of love. In our day and age, it is Jesus. He is the standard. He is the, in our day and age, it's not Jesus. So, sorry, in my mind, I skipped a sentence. In our day and age, it's not Jesus. It's anything goes, but he is the standard. And then finally, know that he truly is your friend in all of this. His steadfast love endures forever. Amen.